Welcome back to the Act 2 Podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I'm Josh Hallman. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on topics like this one, where we're talking to Dan Kunkka about his arbitration process, or the arbitration process in general, which I think is awesome. Um, Me too. You have other topic suggestions for Dan, because <laughs> <laughs> everyone loves you, Dan, by the way. <laughs> You've been one of the highest rated episodes of the Active Podcast. I didn't know if you know that. Uh, I did not um, know that. That's uh, yeah. that's very kind to hear. <laughs> um, so if you have questions for Dan or for us, you can reach out to us at act2writers at gmail.com, all spilled out, or on our Instagram and Twitter. And I'm not going to get into our handles because I want to just jump into it. Dan, thank you for coming on again. Uh, it's my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. Uh, I love your guys' podcast, and we sort of chatted on the side uh, about the arbitration process, and it's weird having just gone through one, how much uh, people don't really know about it. And yes. uh, it's just, I don't like... I don't like I don't like things being shrouded in mystery that people should know about. It's not like a it, I, I yeah. think it, I think it gets a bad rap. So I think more people should just sort of know about the process because it might be happening to you. Yes, yeah. thank you. I knew nothing. Like, and I still and I'm I'm sure I'm about to learn a lot from yeah. this conversation because because uh, yeah, this, yours was, was I know very very different from mine. Um, before we jump into that main topic, can I keep seeing Instagram posts of you? looking very awesome and fit as you bike ride around different studios and you're like biking picketing, bike picketing. Can you talk about what that is and how people can maybe join that if they want to? Sure. Uh, we're doing, it's basically, we've kind of settled into every Thursday, there's like a bike the strike event. And it started, Shay Brenneman was a, was a writer who had this idea. I had like had the idea in my mind, but then I was like, I'm never going to do this. And then these guys actually put it together and it was great. And so the first day we did it, we, we started biking at Sony and then we bike all the way up through sort of that side of the hill and did uh, Sony and Amazon and CBS and Netflix and Paramount. And then... Holy cow, that's a trek. Yeah. So you go, you go through the entire city, basically. You go through Beverly Hills and into, into Mid Wilshire area there. And then you go up um, across Hollywood and you're on Hollywood Boulevard. And we had like 20 writers and we sort of took a lane on Hollywood Boulevard and went down there. And then we cross over uh, near the five and then we did the valley. So then we did Disney and Whoa. uh warner brothers and universal and we stopped at bob's big boy for lunch and then we <laughs> we end it at radford and it's about a it was about a 26 mile straight shot but now we're we've we've also sort of been varying the routes a little bit like last week uh i was out of town but last week they did sort of more on um that side of the hill and they did sort of a loop so you could park your car and then you would wind up back where you started uh and then this thursday we're starting at cbs we're gonna get hit all the sort of ones on that side of the hill. We're going to come over to the valley and then we're going to bike back to CBS over Mulholland Drive. So it's a little bit more of, a, of a longer route uh, and it has some climbing involved. Um, but we, it's super friendly and it's super casual and we don't leave anybody behind. And you, I promise you, if you show up and want to do it, you will make it to the end. Or you can just join for a little part. You can follow us. I'll probably be tweeting the route uh, on my Twitter. But it's just a fun way. You go and then you stop at each picketing site and then you pick it for about 10 minutes, get some water, you get to rest. And it's just kind of a fun way. I, I think the most interesting thing is, I mean, it's super fun on the ride to meet 
the other writers, but then it's also fun to stop at all the picketing sites because you're always like, I heard Netflix is amazing. How's it over there? And then right. it's like, yeah, I never, yeah. <laughs> I'm never going to go picket over there, but I'll stop for 10 minutes and see how it is. So uh, <laughs> it's it's a pretty great experience. Josh Hallman, do you yeah. still bike? I retired. No, you're coming out. I feel I like go. you've retired. Josh Hallman used to bike all around, like... We'd, we'd have writers. He lived in Santa Monica area. We'd have writers group all the way in like North Hollywood. And we'd see him just pull up on his bike. Okay. And he'd bike home at 10 p.m. or whatever. We were done. <laughs> You're insane. You've got, you've got to join us. One of the next coming Thursdays, I expect to see you out there. I'll, I'll be your domestique. Okay. I'll, ride, I'll a- ride next to you and make sure you have water. And uh, I'll cut down your... I'll, 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 I'll be your slipstream. You can ride in behind me and we'll make it. We'll do oh, it. Oh, I like that. I, I, yeah, I went in retirement. I, I, I know how this is going to sound, but I was riding without a helmet and then I got hit by a car. Oh, I got a concussion. Yeah. And then I was oh, just having right. my daughter and I was like, you know what? I'm retired. But if there's something to bring me out of retirement, it's you. Well, <laughs> I'll wear should, a helmet. You should wear a helmet, but it's also, I will say that it, there is, I understand the, um, uh, uh, the hesitancy to ride on the city streets, but it is, I actually do feel like there is safety in numbers and, the guys we are all yeah. with are super organized and it's super safe. And uh, we only had one lady swear at us the first time. But uh, other than yeah. that, everyone's been super nice. Was it Tasha? It was. It wasn't not Tasha. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds awesome. I'm glad you're doing it. It's super cool. And I, it's been very cool to see all the themes that everyone is doing at Picketing to like keep people going. And if yes. you're a nerd or anything like that, or you like dance or whatever, just follow the WGA, um, their, their Twitter or any of their captains, which we repost all the time, because there's all kinds of things that you can get involved in that are fun, that make picketing fun. <laughs> well, it's like everybody, everybody thinks that the bike, the strike is crazy. But yesterday there were people who ran the marathon. They did the whole, they did 26 miles. They ran the whole strike. And I was like, those Holy people, cow. those people are crazy. <laughs> I didn't know writers yeah. were that fit. Yeah, if I, I'm I being was totally honest. honest. <laughs> it was all SAG-AFTRA. It was fine. It was, it was, there was, yeah, there we there go. Was that makes one more writer sense. and a bunch of SAG-AFTRA people. Yeah. The writer was in the back. You could yeah. tell. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into our topic. Arbitration. Dan. You went yeah. through it recently. Can you explain just kind of the setup? Give us the setup of the circumstances surrounding your your arbitration. Sure. You know, I, I have a movie coming out in January on Netflix called Lift, and it's an original spec uh, script that I wrote and sold back in 2021 now, I think. And they made it into a movie, which is amazing. And it was it's a big budgeted sort of uh, uh, action heist movie. Uh, that stars Kevin Hart and Gugu Mbitha Raw, and it was great. And as is the case uh, that I think is very common, is that I was rewritten on the movie. And like part of the reason, like I want to do this podcast, is to sort of like I think there's like a stigma involved. It's like oh, I like I got rewritten on the movie, and it's like it shouldn't be a big deal because I, I I don't yeah. like I don't like I am protective of the movie, and yes, it was my idea. And, and when you see the movie, I will be the only credited writer. So that will, that will tell you how my arbitration went, but it was a very intense movie making process. We were under, uh, a tight timeline and we, we were, we were shooting very quickly and a lot of moving parts really uh, very, very fast. And, you know, the script needed work, 
and other people came in to write and more than one writer came in. Uh, there was, there was a few writers after me. It's a very hard process in the moment. Um, cause you, you end up feeling a little bit detached from the actual movie making process, which is, which is kind of shitty. And you, you know, you worry about the changes and then you hear rumblings about what's going on and you think, well, that's a dumb idea or you don't really know what's going on. And uh, it's kind of the writer's dilemma of just being removed from something that like I came up with at my house and wrote on this computer and I was the only person involved and I was the mm -hmm. one who said, this is going to be a great movie idea. And then I wrote mm -hmm. it all out and then I sold it and I was sort of the master of that. And then very, very quickly, once it started to become a movie, I was no longer involved. Yeah, that's already a very different process, right? Like I came in on an OWA and it ended up being a page one rewrite. So there's that sense of like ownership, like I sort of invented it in that way. But you, like you say, you were in your home, came up with an idea. And on our last podcast, I remember you walked us through the whole process of how you came up with the idea, which was really cool. So yeah, like your baby going away feels like a whole other emotional process. Yeah. Yes, yes. Are you comfortable talking about sort of how, like which writers came after you and when in that process, just to kind of more elucidate the rewrite of a spec writer process? Yes, what sort of generally happened is, is once we got the director involved and obviously then like once you've got a budget and all the stars and things were coming on, it's like we had a, we just, again, the, the timeline was very short. We were, we were, we had a very hard shooting deadline to me because of scheduling and, and things like that. And like, there's so many factors to, that goes into making a movie of, of scope that you just don't, you just never consider, right? It's like actors, this is a team heist movie. So there's six people on this team. So you cast people you love, but then some of them have weird scheduling things and some of them can only be there for three days in the beginning and three days at the end or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. and, and so then the script has to change because of that. And so, you know, I think initially it was, we're going to bring someone in to help with the main character relationship. Totally fine. So they, they, they hired someone and like, I'm not, I don't want to get into the names just because I don't know who I, it is my sincere hope that everyone will take the additional literary material credit on it because I think everyone who mm -hmm. wrote on this movie contributed something great and that's not like some bullshit whatever like I like you read that's like a weird thing that I learned from this process is that at the time I was like fuck this I could have done that and then mm -hmm. when you when it's a year later and you're going through arbitration and you're reading all the drafts Tasha like sort of you said uh, on the podcast the last time right and, and you I, I know you sort of said like oh I didn't even know there were these prior drafts and it's like, I knew everyone, I had heard the name and knew sort of who had all written on it. So that wasn't a surprise, mm -hmm. but it's sort of a, it's sort of interesting to see the progression of how the script changes, right? Some people come, one person wrote or writer came in and she sort of did uh, like character work. And then another writer came in and he, he has done a bunch of sort of, you know, action movies and, and bigger sort of things like that. And he really did a lot of the heavy lifting with some of the changes that happened to the action. And then there was someone who came in who was sort of involved in the um, the, the shooting aspect, right? He was in LA, we were shooting mm -hmm. in Belfast, and he was sort of dealing with all sort of those types of, of, of issues that came up. They all added stuff to the script. And when you see it all from afar, you then sort of start to see how it all fits together. And I think it's, I think mm. sometimes, sometimes it can get lost. And I think sometimes, you know, we can feel 
I mean, I don't want to say you feel too much ownership over something you created, but I think it's like you, you, you always get in sort of your writer like, oh, I can only do it a certain way. And sometimes changes are good. And then, like I said, the process was very similar to your process, Tasha. Like I... Mm-hmm. I was sitting around, I knew the movie was done shooting, I knew they were getting ready to put the movie together. And I'll say like, because the process is so specific and then also not talked about, like I didn't really know what was gonna happen. And like some writers had told me, but until you go through it, you don't really realize. And it's like one day an email literally just shows up and you're just like sitting in your computer and an email shows up and it's like, uh, hey, uh, the company has put in the credits and the credits are this. And you just look at it and you're just like, all right, well, that's what this is. And then it's like, what are your options? Yeah. Did that email say, it was from the WGA, right? So yeah. the company put in the- The company the, puts yeah. in the, the credits. Yeah. Did that email also say, if you disagree with this, here's what you do to disagree with it? Or was it like, this is it. And you had to be like, wait, 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 wait what? Wait, I, how, do I, how do I figure out how to navigate this crazy email? No, the, the guild is pretty amazing. The people that work in, in that department that I had dealt with are- very, very helpful. And like I emailed the person who was in charge of my arbitration right back. And I said, this is my first one doing this. And like, what, what, what's going on? And she, like, <laughs> all the information came back and it said, you know, this is the, this is the supposed credit. You and all the other writers who are involved now have the option of arbitrating, disputing what the credit is from Netflix. And then if there is a dispute, we will go to the arbitration. I was a shared screenplay credit uh, and a story credit because it was my original. Yeah. Because you don't know the process and you sort of, I was unfamiliar with like the percentages and what, how they make, arbiters make their decisions. I was sort of like, okay, well this is good, but, and I don't want to lose more than what I already have. Like I was mm. like, I don't want to like, have an arbitration and then go backwards. There is uh, invaluable, like you get, you gotta help, you gotta talk to people who have done this before, and like that's why I want to do this podcast too. Is like, is is when you're a writer who had not done it, you need to seek out writers who have, so you can hear about the process. And I and I, I spoke with a with an older veteran writer who had gone through this process many many times, and you know we sort of having talked through it and having known that my it was an original script that a spec my threshold to losing credit was very, very hard to me. Like he was very confident that I was not going, it wasn't going to get worse. Yeah. Um, And so then it was a matter of, of figuring out, looking at the script and figuring it out and trying to form my own argument and figuring out if I want to use a, a, a consultant and all that sort of stuff. It was like, well, let's, let's go into the arbitration process and, and see where we have come out. So the, was that email, was that email like we're going into arbitration or FYI, this is that. And if, and if anyone wants to go into arbitration, let us know. And you said, I definitely want to, because I, that shared credit is bothering me. Not, not in those terms, but. Right. You have, you have a, you have a week to sort of say if you or any of the other writers want to, uh, send this to the arbitration. And, and I think it's also important to sort of know that like the arbitration is done by three arbiters at the WGA. And uh, something I did not know that I learned through the process was I had always heard that you had to have three produced credits to be an arbiter. And that's not true. That's one of the ways you can become an arbiter. The other way to become an arbiter is to like just be in the guild for like a year or something like that. It's like a very low threshold. Like if you've been in the guild and it's so funny, I found this out because one of the things that happens in arbitration is they send you a list of all the possible arbiters 
and it's like cross off anyone who hates you, right? Because like it's all anonymous, wow. but it's like somebody might know the name of your script or whatever. It's like, or if you don't, if there's someone you don't want, like have on have making a decision about your career, you can cross them off. And I like looked on the list, and my name was on the list, and I was like, how am I an arbiter? And they're like, oh yeah, you've been in the guild for like 15 years. You can be a, you can be an arbiter. I was like, well shit, I had no idea. I thought you had to have three produced credits. So yeah. The follow-up to this is that I have I, I have now volunteered to, to do the process on the other oh, side wow. because um, I think it's super important. But so so anyway, you go back, so you get, you know, you you say you want to start to trigger an arbitration, then they the guild emails you with the list of materials, right? And it's everybody who wrote and what, you know, is there anything that you want to have included? And like there was, I had something that was not um, a full draft, but was pages that I had turned in that I was like, make sure, can we make sure that this is on the list? And she's like, oh, we've got it here. No problem. Uh, and that was sort of included. And all the other writers do that. So all of their material is included. And then you go through the process of, okay, this is all going to go to the arbitration arbiters. And now you can, here's all the material and you can read the material and then you have to form your statement. And it's kind of like an interesting process. Like I know on the last podcast, Tasha, you sort of had said like, oh, I want to submit the two drafts that I wrote uh, were very different. So I wanted to make sure that I, I sent both drafts because what if they took something that then disappeared from draft to draft, right? Like, which is yeah. very smart. And, you know, for the most part, I think sort of the advice and sort of what happens is usually you just read the last draft in a writer's sort of hired period, employment period, I would say, right? Because it's like, oh, Dan came in and did three drafts of this. You probably just want to read the last one so you can sort of see where he wound up. But I think you're smart because I think you do have that option of being like, hey, yes, read my last draft, but also you can check out my first draft, pages 23 through 26. I have a scene in there that shows up in the shooting draft. So let's make sure you know, you can, you can point out all those things and you should so that then the arbiters know. And when you reference it in your statement, they'll be like, oh, I can go back and read that first draft from this writer that contains a scene that then made its way through to the end. Mm -hmm. That's super uh, smart. Yeah. That's great. I didn't do that. That's and, great. And the first email you received were all the scripts um, attached, like all the different drafts and over time, or you have to request it? That's a good question. Cause I was like, okay, send me all of them. And they're like, no, like you really don't need to read all 17 drafts. Let's just start with the last draft of mm. every person. And but it was different. Like one writer had been hired and then was off and then came back and was like, well, we'll send you both mm. of those. So you can see, you can see the end of this term of employment and then you can see that term of employment. Right. So it's like, for the most part, you got just sort of the 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 end drafts of of the person that worked on it. That is a lot of reading. Wow. Yeah. So you're basically going through line by line for essentially or scene by scene. Yeah. It's, so this is a, it's a very weird process because Ta like Tasha, you did a great job uh, in the last podcast, sort of going through the sort of you know the four main criteria that they look for. Right. It was the dramatic construction new and created scenes, characters and characterizations, and dialogue, right? But one thing that I thought was really interesting in the screen credits manual that they talk about is it's it's something, the language is something like, in each individual case, arbiters may decide which of these, which of these four things is most important per project, right? 
So it basically allows for the fact, sort of like you read the dialogue part, right? Where it's like, you may change every word of dialogue and not get script credit. But other times, you may come in and change three scenes of dialogue, and they so change the crux of the movie that you deserve credit on that movie. And yeah. I, you know, I think it's the reason why the Guild fought for us to determine the credits is because it is not as much as the screen credits manual is a 33%, 50%, more than 50%, like tries to break it down into these actual numbers. A lot of it is, it's sort of craft knowledge. Like you have to have, yeah. like, and, and that's why you rely on, on fellow writers to make this decision is like, you know, and we've all had it. Like, it's amazing. You can, you can rewrite a draft and you can change like three scenes and the whole movie can feel different, but you mm-hmm. can, you could also go in there and change every single word and just be like, well, this is the same script. Just reads better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the same exact thing. Yeah. And, and Tasha, that's like, that's a really valid point of like, of what an arbiter's job is, is to like, is to go in and really try to figure out what the essence of the sort of screenplay material who came up with that and then you know because a lot of a lot of this stuff is like let's say you write like an action movie right and you write an action movie and you do a an intense 15 page chase sequence uh wherever in new york and your hero is this cop and they chase down the bad guy (laughs) through the streets of new york to open the movie right super Super fun. You write that script. You get rewritten, 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 rewritten. And at the end of the the final shooting draft, it's 12-page sequence in San Francisco. And it's a street car chase rather than a car chase. And you look at that example and it's different, right? Like it's a different location. It's a, it's a street car chase rather than a car chase. But when you look at the actual thing that the scene is doing, it's the same thing, right? It's, it's the same yeah. main character chasing down a bad guy, showing off their particular set of skills and their their Achilles heel of whatever it is in their character. And it's still like the action scene that opens the movie. You want to give credit to the second writer who made those actual changes and moved it to San Francisco and did all that sort of stuff. But at its heart, that is a screenplay scene that was written by the first writer, right? Because mm-hmm. they're the ones who said, let's put an action sequence to start this movie. Let's have it show character. We're going to have it be fun. It's like, that's the dramatic construction. That's the characterization. And like in an action movie that relies on that, that's probably more important than the writer who came out and said, you know, I'll, ch- I'll change the dialogue of it and it'll be a streetcar instead of a, a car and did these sort of more cosmetic changes when at the heart of it, it's probably should be credited to the first writer because those things should probably be weighted more in that sort of instance. Yeah. So it's really great and comforting to know that these decisions are coming from fellow writers because that was definitely something I didn't fully understand. And they sent me the list of arbiters and it was a massive list. So I was like, yeah. I don't care who reads my shit. (laughs) Also, it's anonymous. So if it's Kanka, it's Kanka. Who cares? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I didn't even look at it. So I didn't really register for me that they were all writers. So it's good to know because I I definitely was of the mind like, oh, these are just, these could be suits. Like these could be accountants for all I know because of that 50%, 33%. But no, they're doing exactly what you're saying. They're understanding the craft of creating that opening scene. And did you create that concept? And is the rest just window dressing? 
Yes, you do eventually get into the nitty gritty of the argument where it's like, oh, you did you did X Y Z, and writer this writer did the this character part, and 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 from other writers that I have spoken to about arbitration, and um, either who had been arbiters or who had been through the process themselves, the statement that you write it needs to be about the facts. Like I think that as writers we get attached because you'll say, well, I was on this project for four years and I did 17 drafts and my draft was the one that got the star attached and then my next draft was the draft that got the director attached and like Mm -hmm. I deserve credit on this movie and that's just not the way arbitration works right you need to sort of remove the emotion from it and this screen credits manual is very clear like this is about the work that made it to the end like it's very hard and it's a tough thing to hear I do think that that's the fair way to do it, which is like, I, you know, even if you've spent five years on a project and, and you're the one, you're, and, yours is the script that got a green light. Yeah. And, but that, but your script isn't the one that they shot. That credit needs to go to the writers who wrote the script that got shot. And like, that's, that's yeah. the point of the credits. Can you talk about your letter then? Yes. Can you talk about how, cause I, I went into detail sort of on what mine looked like and I'm sure yours is very different and Josh's is going to be very different. So what was your letter like writing it? Well, like, first of all, uh, to talk about the consultants, I know you guys brought that up on the last one and I went through the very same process. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Because first of all, you get it and you're like, oh, I'm going to go through an arbitration and then you get very worried. And then you talk to my manager, my agent, and they said, well, there's, there's people. I had a consult and then there was one where like I tried to and they had sort of been contacted by another writer and it's like they can't consult on both mm-hmm. ends. So it's like if another writer has sort of con- – and like I, I – you know, oh, I don't wow. know. I don't know how many – consults there are, but I'm sure there's, you know, half a dozen or whatever that most people use. But having gone through the process and talked to other writers about it, I would say you should probably not use a consultant. And I think, and it's the guild's position that you should not use a consultant because Mm -hmm. there's no trick. You hire a lawyer because you think there are like lawyer tricks that you're not going to know. And the truth is like the scripts are all written. And so there's no like, oh, I'll make this impassioned plea for you and that will somehow yeah. get you the credit. That's how. That's why I was like, why do I need a consultant? It's just, I, I can do this job better than anyone else because yes. I and, know what happened with these scripts. Yes, and because you're a professional writer, you know better requirements of sort of the material that would make up those percent, right? Like you know more about why your work was important to the end product than someone who is reading it, even if they're a very, very smart consultant and have read hundreds and hundreds of scripts, you will know better. So wait, so real quick, Tasha, you did not use a consultant. I did not. You did not. And Dan, you also did not, but you both met with consultants and you were like, I'm smarter than both of you I did guys. not. I Googled oh. a consultant and was like, $10,000. I'm smarter than you. <laughs> that's, a high, that's a high price. I, my, my, wow. I, I think my quote was less. My quote was definitely less. But no, I, yes, I, I, I did like a phone consult with one and then I just spoke, oh, okay. with, other, I spoke with other writers um, to get their sort of opinion on what, what they did and how they did it. And I decided to do it on my own. And I got a sample letter, like just like you sort of said, Tasha, I got mm-hmm. a sort of sample letter. My statement uh, was longer, but you kind of have to put on your, now that, now that I said, don't get a lawyer, you sort of have to put on your lawyer hat because I think, and I have heard from other writers, the, the, the statements that work best are unemotional and stick to the facts. Again, if your argument is, 
I did 40 drafts for this director and he called me at three in the morning and I was put through the ringer and all this stuff. You're not going to win. Yeah. And it's just not, yeah. it's, it's like, that is the shitty part of this is that the circumstances of your employment don't matter in determining the credit. It's the yeah. work that makes it to the end that determines the credit. And so I would sort of my advice and, and what has sort of been passed down to me was you got to stick to the facts and you got to stick to the screen, the, uh, the SCM, the screen credit manual, and you have to go through those four categories and sort of lay out your case. And, and Tasha was, is, is similar is sort of like you had sort of said they didn't really use any of your dialogue. And like, I, you know, when you get scenes that keep getting rewritten and rewritten and rewritten, that may be the case where your dialogue may not have made it through, but the, the sort of catch-all in, in, in the manual is it says, you know, it's up to each arbiter to determine which of these four things is most important. It's like writing a fifth grade paper that like my son does in school, which is like, here's my argument and here's my supporting evidence. And it's like, that's I don't... exactly how it felt. It was so yeah. simplistic. And I had to go back and edit out anything that felt emotional or that was overly wordy because yeah. you just really need to just fact, like, fact, fact. I do think, I do think you want to be, I do think your statement wants to be personable. So it's like, I cracked jokes, you know, also it doesn't matter, but it helps to be gracious to the other writers. Like, I think if you come in and say, this is all shitty that they did. Yeah. That's not going to be good. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you should yeah. be like, listen, like, you know, if your argument is that writer C did a bunch of work, but it's not enough, it's not enough to get credit. You should just be like, you know, writer C did great work. Like I'm appreciative of what happened, but it's not enough to get this credit. And so, you know, you, you're writing to defend yourself and you're writing to defend your work. You know, it's, I, I don't think it's as much as like going through and highlighting every little thing. Like, I think it's just, you know, whatever your credit you're going for, you sort of have like a, a percentage that you need to write. Like if you write an original, like mine was an original screenplay and it said, for me to share credit, uh, another writer would have to have written 50% of the screenplay, Right. Right, because zero was an original, right? Right, so it's my original. So, like, I have the uh, the the rules are in my favor, but as long as I write fifty one percent of the screenplay, I cannot share credit because it's just math. Because if they need to get to fifty, and I wrote fifty one, I don't share credit. Yeah. Can I ask? Does the concept have any uh, weight in the arbitration? Because, like, I feel like you wrote the spec. And the concept is yours. I feel like that's like seventy five percent. Even if someone came in and rewrote you, you know what I mean. Like it's, I, I, yes. Unless it's grounded and it turns well, on to like a car film or something. You're right, and I think that argument can go in several different ways, right? Like I think if you were on a project that you wrote an, an original spec, and you know, then they came in and you got heavily rewritten by a whole host of writers. If you are the original writer of a spec script that gets made, you will you are guaranteed story by credit. If it got changed enough, you could always fall back on, well, this is my still my story and I deserve that story by credit and I think you would be protected. But, you know, in terms of like screenplay, a big high concept idea is sort of like the dramatic construction argument of the script, right? Like dramatic construction to me is sort of the what happens in this screenplay is what happens in the screenplay. Even if you have sort of a high concept idea or a hook or a, like a very specific thing that happens and that's the thing that always happens in all of these scripts that get to the end of the movie, then your argument is, hey, in dramatic construction, here's the, the 15 things that happen in this movie. 
14 of those things happen in my original script, right? And so yeah. you, what you have to do is you have to sort of quantify that contribution of like sort of the main idea of the script and say, no, the main idea of the script leads to the dramatic construction. And this is why this construction, details might be changed, characters might be renamed, we had to change locations because of shooting, whatever your arguments are to why the changes were made from what you wrote, but you can then always sort of fall back on the argument that the stuff that I wrote is the stuff that happens. That, I think, can be a very strong argument with an arbiter. So it's, it really sounds like the other writers kind of had to really fight for their credit. And you maybe felt like you had to fight for your credit, but it feels like, I mean, the end of movie is 50% Dan, 51% Dan. I don't want to speak for them. Uh, and again, I think they all did great work. And, and in each instance, it's different. But I will say that coming on to an original screenplay rather than sort of an assigned unoriginal screenplay. And again, they say unoriginal doesn't mean that it's a shitty screenplay. It just means <laughs> it's based on an IP. But the, the thresholds are different. And so yeah. in some ways, if you write an original screenplay and get rewritten, you would want as many writers as you possibly can to come in and try to fix it because then every change made by every subsequent writer dilutes the writer who's trying to get to 50% to share credit with you. Yeah. So when you wrote your letter, because there were so many after you, for me, there was, I only had to read two scripts, the one that came before me, or I felt like I only had to read two scripts, the one that came before me and the final shooting script that came after me. So you had so many multiple drafts after you. Did you have to, in your letter, like do those five different sections? Because there's the four four points that you have to make, dramatic construction, dialogue, all of that. Did you have to do that five times or whatever? Or did you just do it no. once across the board and really just focus on the shooting script? Again, advice that was given to me was focus on whatever the end product was. You can acknowledge what has been changed. Point out that, you know, some of this was this writer, some of this was that writer. You know, there's a new character. That was mostly mm -hmm. this writer. And it's like, that's a great character. Like, there's a character, there's a character that everyone will love that wasn't in the original script. But, you know, is that enough to reach the threshold that needed to be met to share a screenplay? I don't, I don't think it is. Did you have to argue that, by the way? Did you have to say, this person, yes, created this character. We love it. It's going to be great. But I don't think it's enough to earn credit. Did you have to argue that point? That's the majority of like what these statements are. Because again, they're all reading the scripts. So the arbiters know what's happening after they read the material. So... I think you have to just be clear and no bullshit about how you sort of see it breaking down. These statements are important. Like you sort of said, Tasha, before, it's like, yeah. it's, it's a lot of money. And, and mm -hmm. the residuals, and you know, if you're an original screenplay credit, uh, original screenplay spec writer, you know, there's a, there's a sole credit bonus that goes along with it usually. You have to take it seriously. You want to go in and sort of make the most concise, clear, unemotional argument that you can sort of make to defend your contributions to what you did in the script. I think you've also made another good point that I was nervous about, which is acknowledging other people's good work. Because something that was in my head was like, well, if I acknowledge they did good work, the arbiter is going to be like, well, they did good work. So why shouldn't I give them credit for this? <laughs> uh, you know, it's, a, it's, I, Yes, but also it's like the thing that I wish changed the most with this whole process. Like 
I was a big fan of the additional literary material credit, right? I think that everyone who writes on a movie should be able to receive a credit on the movie. Like, I, I, I think that even if you come in and you do something that is completely thrown out and not used at all, and they say, you know what, we're never going to do that version of this, you helped in that process, right? And if you want to take credit, you, you are entitled to it. I think this sort of territorial sort of mindset that writers have to their material is a little antiquated and also like very specific to like, if I'm Quentin Tarantino, sure, I wrote every word and like, I know all that. And, you know, and Aaron Sorkin and, and these incredible writers that, that have that. And, you know, even, even some writers who are not on that level do get versions where they, they, you know, my first movie, 12 rounds, I was the only writer on that. And it's like, you know, it's a, it was a shitty action movie with John Cena, but like, I was the only guy who wrote every, you know, I wrote every word of that. So, yeah. you know, those instances do exist, but in today's modern movie making, you're not a less writer to acknowledge that someone else contributed to your screenplay. Like, I think that that, I think it's a silly notion. Can I speak to that for a second? Because yeah. I feel like, and maybe this is wrong, but I feel like I'm not wrong, um, that there are some writers who go in to their rewrite with a vengeance. Like they know the arbitration process. They know they need to write X amount of stuff, new stuff in order to get sole credit. And they will write intending to kick that writer off. I've seen that for sure happen in TV. It's never, I've never experienced that necessarily in film, but I know that that exists. As someone who has been an arbiter now, do you feel like you can see through that bullshit <laughs> or is that an, a, a thing that can happen to you as a writer? I mean, I think it can. I think people are dicks. Like we've met writers that we don't <laughs> like, right? But like character names are, are character names, right? Like they don't change, you know, you spoke in, 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 in the last podcast, Tasha, about, about the, you know, the, whoever it was, the best friend character, or the, you know, change the lead characters. And so like that relationship then sort of changed. Like the surface things are surface things. And, you know, if you change a character name, that's not a screenplay change. If you change the location of a scene from a coffee house to a, a library, that's not a screenplay change, right? That's a, that's a production change. Like, mm -hmm. if it, like, yes, someone had to write that they weren't in a coffee shop and that they were in a library, but you do not, like, if you came in and changed 100% of every location in a script, but the same thing happened, you would not get credit because you just did, you did not do screenplay work. You did production manager work, mm -hmm. honestly. You know, you see, I and I have heard these stories and seen it's like, okay, people are going to come in and try to put the stamp on their stuff and make these changes to try to get credit. And it's like, it is what it fucking is. Like, I think arbiters hopefully are aware that sort of those types of cosmetic changes aren't actually screenplay material changes um, mm -hmm. and they won't get proper credit for it. And also, like, if you're a writer going in for a job, just like, don't fucking do that shit. Like, if you want to make, yeah, if you, right. like, if you want to get, if you want to get credit on a movie, fucking change the movie and make it better. Like, and, yeah. and, and if you, if you wind up changing and not getting and not changing enough, um, but doing a great job and the movie gets made and you get an ALM credit rather than a regular credit, like, yeah, that sucks. Cause you probably like, I don't know if you're, uh, if you're rewriting, you probably don't have a bonus that's tied to that, but you miss out on the residuals and it's like, yeah, whatever. But it's like the script doesn't lie. So if you're coming in and you're changing enough to get credit, you change enough to get credit. And if you just change shit and it's bad and you did it anyway to get a credit, you're a shitty person. I think so too. Like I've gone into jobs where I'm like, 
Damn, I'm I'm rewriting like 98% of this, but there are some scenes in here that whole cloth are really good and I'm allowed to keep it because it's a rewrite and like yeah. it's it's by changing it it's not going to make the movie better. It might make it worse cuz this scene is good. And there has been like that little voice inside my head saying, "No, you have to take ownership of this whole thing, change it and figure it out." But another part of me is like I need to cooperate with the writer before me and just make this movie the best that it can be. And I've operated on that path. But I again, I know that there are writers who would be like, nope, fuck that. If that's in the other draft, huh. I'm not using it at all. What's kind of interesting about this, I, and this might open like a can of worms, but I wonder why the edit or like a version of the film isn't taken into account when this is all going on because... I'm sure yeah, stuff changes stuff changes. I'm not saying Kevin Hart improved your film or anything, but I'm sure there's jokes or something that come up on the fly and, and things probably change on the fly or maybe someone read your first draft and use a line in an improv session, like scene or something there that could happen where, I don't know. I just feel like a cut of the film should be maybe mm. taken into account. I could see, I see that argument because I also think that like changes could be made in editing that dramatically change. Yeah the script or, you know, just because it's the final shooting script doesn't mean they keep it, right? Like they could shoot right. a whole subplot could be removed from the final movie that could be the crux of someone's argument about this is what I, I wrote. I wrote this entire subplot to get to 33% to get a shared credit on, a, mm. on an on original screenplay. And then that that could be cut and left on the on the floor. I agree with you. I think I would, I don't know for sure, but my guess is that it would be you, they, I think that the guild wants to make the credit decision earlier in the process so that the yeah. credited writers can then be more involved in the release of the movie. So like if you waited until there was a cut of the film, you would be further down the road and it wouldn't be as clear who the credited writer should be. And I think that, so mm -hmm. like the guild is also very good and this is a part of the arbitration process to be like, once we make a decision, that's the decision. And like, all the materials from the company need to say this. If you're one of the writers that was hired who did not get credit, like, don't go around and take credit because you're not the credited writer, right? Like, and they've said this. I've I've seen this before too, and even before the ALM credit, it was like, once we make, once the guild makes the decision on who is credited in the movie, that person is the credited writer on this film, and you should just, for the good of the guild and the honor of the profession you just step aside. Even if you're the person who thinks you rewrote the whole thing, like you can't go on to a podcast or have an article written in Variety where it was like, you're the writer of this movie. It's like, no, the credits are the credits. Um, so mm -hmm. I, do think, yeah. I do think that that's part of the reason why the process happens earlier, which is to protect those things. But I think, Josh, it's a really good point because there are things that can totally get changed that could affect those percentages. But also those changes are editorial versus written, right? They're not made by, technically, not made yes. by a writer. So, yeah, the guild sort of can't, it feels like the guild can't really step in on an edited movie because yeah. that was an editor who did that or editor-director. Yeah. yeah, I think it's, I, I think, yeah. I, I, I think it's a good, I think it's a good point. I just, I think that, that it, it, it's probably unrealistic timeline-wise for, for what, yeah. for what the process needs to be. So once you got that email, did anyone, was there any contest to it? Because at that point, once you receive the decision, you can actually contest the arbiter's well, decision. That's not technically true. Sorry, Tasha. You can contest the process, but you can't, like, you can't go in and say, 
oh, I think these arbiters are dumb. I want to re-arbit it. You can say the process by which the decision was made was faulty. So you can say, oh, mm-hmm. um, they were given a script they shouldn't have been given, or they were not given enough scripts, or whatever yes. it is. So you can you can protest the process, but the arbiter's decision itself. I'm pretty sure that once the decision is made, it is final unless there has been sort of a procedural error that needs to be corrected. And then I think in that case, you have to make some sort of claim and then they can call in the WGA people and the arbiter people and then they they decide if there was any sort of uh, unseemly behavior that influenced the decision, in which case then it could possibly be reopened, right? Like if you, or if it comes out that like... uh, because they also like when an arbiter makes a decision, they write a statement. Yes. So that you can you can you can read the statements of the arbiters to see why they made the decisions that they made. So that's what happened to me actually. So I, it was just decided. I was like, yay! I sent the email to my agents. I was like, yay! They were like, yay! And then later that day, got another email from the WGA saying like someone has contested huh. this decision, and. Um, so here, here's a PDF of the three arbiters who are on your case and why they decided it was you. And um, the ne- I was like, oh, shit, what does this mean? I thought I was all excited and now I'm depressed again. And the, the nice lady at the WGA said, well, this means basically like how I interpreted it was we're going to trial. <laughs> They're yeah. like, you basically have to present yourself now because all of this is through PDF or whatever through email. But now we had to be on a Zoom with a uh-huh. person who contested who would then give an argument verbally about why they felt the arbitration went poorly. And it's exactly as you're saying. And it was like, for it's not like, oh, you made a poor choice and here's why you made a poor choice because that's the letter process. The letter process has already been done. They've already made their decision. It, it, it was more like you're saying where there's actually an error. One of my drafts wasn't included, et cetera, et cetera. And I think once this person who contested realized that was part, that was what it meant to contest, then they were like, okay, never mind. We're good because <laughs> they knew I, that they didn't have legs to stand on. I have no actual evidence of this, but I believe that that happens a lot. Like I think that yeah. that people think, oh, protesting the arbitration gets me a new trial, and then they find out, oh no, it actually doesn't, and then you know the decision is final. So, yeah. So for you, it was the decision was final. There's no contesting. Yes, it was, and 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 I was able to connect with other right the other writers, and and you know, like I said, I, I think the whole process pits writers against each other because again the credit getting credit is so important to both your career and financially and I understand why it becomes such a emotional issue for everyone because it is important and opportunities are so hard to come by that if you you know I wrote on a movie that got made is really fucking exciting and then to not get credit on it uh sucks mm-hmm. anyway I I think I w- I would just love if we could get if we could find sort of a, a post new version of this where where writers knew what the pro- I think if you know what the process is and are more familiar with it and understand the arbitration process and understand why the percentages are why they are and sort of what the expectation is of of you when you're hired on a project and just sort of like raising the curtain a little bit I think would raise some of the animosity that I think a lot of writers carry for this. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that I'm not saying that there haven't been decisions in the past that have been totally shitty. Like I'm sure that people have gotten screwed. And 
that sucks. And, and, and I understand why people would be upset about that. But in general, it would be nicer if writers sort of approached it from a more positive place and, and just being nice to each other and not being pissed off that someone rewrote one of your scenes and, you know, maybe made it better. So just take the credit, you know, where you're going to get it. And what if they made it worse though, Dan? You know, it's, it's, here's the thing. It's, it's all object. It's all, it's all subjective anyway. Right. Who, who's worse and who's better. Who knows? Although like you still like, you know, I, 12 rounds came out in 2009 and there's still like a line that got cut that got cut and I'm still pissed about it. So it's like, I get it. Uh, So you're work in progress every day. You're just trying to find your center. You know, you just write. It's like, you know, you still carry that weight, but it's like, it's life is too short to, to fucking be mad at other writers who are just, you know, doing the job of hopefully trying to make the script better to make a better movie. Yeah, I agree. All right. Final question. Kind of bring it all the way around. Now that you are the sole writer on this movie, sort of broad strokes, what does it mean for your career? Why is arbitration so important? Brass tacks financially, it's great for me. Like there's a lot of things that come with sole credit. Uh, and things that you don't even consider, uh, like there's like, you know, obviously the residuals and the sole credit bonus, but there's a lot of other things like, uh, separated rights are all mine. Um, there's a lot of stuff in my contract tied to sequels and, you know, having to be credited on, uh, future productions. And, you know, this is a thing with a bunch of, uh, you know, it's a big heist movie with a big team that's hopefully fun and hopefully kills it in January and hopefully we make more of them. So it's, it's all long, long-term financial business stuff. That's great. As for the credit, like career, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Part of me doesn't believe in that shit anymore. Like, no, like here's the, here's so do you, the, do you feel like there's a difference if someone gets additional literary material versus someone who gets sole credit? I hope that everyone who wrote on the movie who wants the credit takes the credit. I have no problem. Yeah. And like, and, and, and down the road, you know, once the movie comes out, like I have no problem saying everyone who wrote on it, like it's not, you know, now it's, we're not supposed to sort of talk about the arbitration process in detail, but like, I, I have no problem saying, and like I said, there is someone, there's like a, there's a, there is going to be a very funny character that I never wrote a single word of that. I'll be like, oh yeah, that was, that was her who came up with this. And like, I will have no problem yeah giving that credit. And maybe that's just me, but it's also like life is too fucking short to argue about it. I think that's an amazing thing to do. So yeah, you're giving interviews and rather than pretending you're the only writer who ever wrote on this and it's just your complete genius. And also like, you know, if some of it doesn't work, I can just be like, "Ah, well, there was all these other writers. Like who knows, (laughs) right? Like nobody knows. Like like if you you read my original script, you'll sort of know, but like, who knows? It all comes out in the wash. Like hopefully it's great. Yeah. So hopefully all the writers who ever wrote on it, when that movie comes out or even leading up to this movie, their reps can say, hey, they wrote on Lyft. Go take a meeting with them. Yes. And and like, you know, for me, it's kind of like, you know, selling your first script is hard, but selling your second script is harder. And like, in my instance, like making my first movie was in 2009 and making my second movie was 2023. So that's 14 years. But I'm also in that 14 years, I'm wise enough to know that one thing doesn't really change a career. So, you know, what, you know what I'm going to do after this podcast? I'm going to go back and write my next spec because that's yeah. the only thing that matters. <laughs> and yep. like, you know, maybe the level of room that I can get into is more because I get sole credit on this, but I don't think it would be, I don't think it would be diminished if I 
got shared credit. I don't. I really don't because I think that everyone who's in this industry who's making those decisions at that level know that there was probably somebody else who came on. Whether I got rewritten past 50% or not got rewritten past 50%, the most important part is that I was the guy who came up with the idea, who put it on the page, who got the people to sign on and the director to sign on and Netflix to say, we're going to make a huge movie off of this. And that's what happened. And I think that that's like when you're a writer, I think you need, when you are building your career, it's great to sort of define yourself in those terms. And my terms are, I like to come up with original ideas. I like to write it myself. And then we like to go and try to put the movie together. And so mm-hmm. that bump, whether I'm a shared, whether I'm a shared credit or not shared credit, I don't think that changes. Now, if I was a younger writer who had zero credits, who had been doing a bunch of rewrites, and I was able to come on to a project and and get a shared screenplay credit, then I think that's I think it's a different story, right? I think that that is very important for a young writer because it shows that you've contributed to a produced material, and it sort of it lowers a lot of the bars, right, or the whatever the hurdles are to getting a meeting or meeting with the next director or having, you know, meeting with the president of production rather than the vice president of production. All those things sort of add up. Unfortunately for me, I I sort of think my die is sort of cast. So I hope the movie does great. And I think that will help a lot of other things, but I'm not going to change my day to day uh, because of it. Because I've done that before and that's fucking foolhardy. So just keep writing yeah. more scripts. That's the uh, write your spec is the end of every Dan Kunkka podcast just because I, that's that's the sell <laughs> for everything. That's every Twitter post from Dan's Dan's feed. Yes. Write your spec. Yeah, it's great. All right, Dan, last chance. Anything else you want to bring up about arbitration? I would just say if you're going through it for the first time, like find somebody who's been through it and uh, they can help you. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't use a consultant. And it's got to be it's got to be there. Like if you're arguing that you contributed 33% and you didn't and you go into that script and you can't pull out 33% of material, like I don't think you should not make the argument, but but I really do believe for the majority or close to, you know, whatever the number is, 70, 80, 90, whatever, it, the the arbiters are looking for the actual material and are making decisions based on the text. So if the text is there and you contributed to the final screenplay, make your argument, take a shot. And if, you know, unfortunately you're the you're the writer who was just on call and worked four years of your life in blood, sweat, and tears and none of your shit made it to the end, like that's just the that's the tough that's the tough break. This job sucks. It's the worst and the best. Well mostly it's the worst. But it's it's the <laughs> sometimes it's, it's the best. Damn. It's not We we ended with uh Write your spec to oh, this is the worst job ever. It is. It is. It's just uh, there's so much. There's so much that you again. It's a job that where so much is not in your control. And I and and I and I go back to write yeah. your spec because literally you cannot control that you're rewritten. Like if you write a script and they hire a bunch of writers who rewrite you and they change your whole story into something else. Like I don't want to be like that's what the money for was for, but that's what the money was for. They bought your script. They bought yeah. the rights. Yeah. You cashed a check and it's gone. And like, it sucks and your baby's been bludgeoned, but you can make more babies. That's the, that, again, that's the fallback. <laughs> yeah. That That is the thing you can control. You're speaking Josh's language right now. You are. I love it. I love it. I can soul. see it in his eyes. I can see it in his eyes. But no, it's, um, it's life is too short to worry about shit you can't control. That's a good end. Okay. <laughs> Quote of the day. 
You can't fix a bad script after you start shooting. The problems on the page only get bigger as they move to the big screen. Howard Hawks. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. If you have questions about arbitration after listening to this episode, please email us at acttwowriters at gmail.com. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. I'm Joshua Hallman on Twitter, Josh Hallman on Instagram, and Dan. Unicunka everywhere. Unicunka everywhere. everywhere. U-N-I-K-U-N-K-A. And as always, the Act 2 podcast is a production of Act 2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Bag, which you can find on Spotify.